Before this episode of the Tall Friendly Atheist Ad podcast starts, I'd like to give a big thanks to Mr. Penn Gillette and the Centre for Inquiry Canada for giving me permission to use their audio. You'll know what I mean at the end of this episode. Thank you. After I wrote the first episode of You Can't Be Serious, I came across some more face-palmingly bad Christian arguments that I feel deserve some attention and criticism. In discussing these specific talking points, I'm not saying that all Christians use these, but what I am saying is that those Christians who haven't thought too deeply or too honestly about their Christianity use arguments that either sound exactly like these or are a variation of them. If you are someone who uses these arguments, or you think that they're killer talking points, or you think you're going to slap that heathen in the face with the truth, I would like to honestly and sincerely tell you to stop, think, and listen. They're not. And rather than leading to a conversion, the person who you're talking to and who you're using these arguments against is more likely to tune out. This is You Can't Be Serious, Part 2. Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Argument 1 Argument 1 You reject the Gospels because you just hate God. How many times have you been accused of being stubborn or of refusing to listen to the truth or of rejecting the Gospels simply because you just hate God? Christians, especially the angry ones, tend to throw this one out when they realize that the case they're making for God's existence is tenuous at best and that you're simply not buying it. Or maybe they use this line because they could not possibly comprehend that someone has used their rational faculties to decide that the case for God's existence does not stack up and does not warrant belief. So, of course you reject it. So, in the eyes of the terrible-tempered theist, the only possible reason you would reject the truth and words of divine wisdom is simply because you hate God. I get disheartened when I hear this argument or arguments like it because one, it means the other person just hasn't been listening and two, it doesn't address the true reason why someone like me isn't rationally accepting the claims that they were born a sinner and need salvation. 
This definitely isn't to say that every single argument for Christianity is weak and facile. No. Just that the people who throw out, you just hate God, as their next best evangelical line, usually won't have anything better than weak and facile arguments in the first place. So, you're telling me that I don't accept your arguments because I just hate God? You can't be serious. In the same vein as this argument is, number two. You know God exists, you just love your sin. This one is face-palmingly bad as well. I will at some point in time tackle the presuppositionalist form of this argument, especially with people like Cy Tenbruggenkate in mind, but that is for another episode. What this argument is saying is that you think you know that I know God exists, that you think you know that I know that what I'm doing in secret is wrong, and I would have to give that up if I want to be a good person, because only Christians can be good people, right? And I'll get to that one in a sec. But because I can't give up this secret sin that I'm hiding, I'm rejecting the truth out of stubborn obstinacy. No. First, I don't believe God exists because I'm not convinced that gods exist. And without a convincing argument that God exists or that gods exist, there is no sin to be guilty of. But second, what is sin to a god who is supposedly more powerful than I am, who was supposedly around long before I existed, and who will supposedly be around long after I stop existing. It's like me being eternally angry against a bunny rabbit. The next problem with this argument is that you're essentially calling me a liar. If I honestly and sincerely tell you that I don't believe in the existence of gods, and in particular yours, and you come back to me with, you deep down know that God exists, you just love your sin. It means that you think I'm lying when I tell you that I don't believe gods exist. You're essentially calling me a liar. And if you're going to call me a liar, then you've just lost me. The other drawback of this argument is that you purport to know what is going on in my head. If I've told you honestly and sincerely and openly that I don't believe God exists, and here are the reasons, do not call me a God denier. You can call me uneducated. You can call me foolish. You can call me late for breakfast. But unless you're a certified mental health professional or an FBI profiler, don't go saying that you know what's happening in my head. Again, if you say this, you've lost me, and you've probably lost any hope you had of seeing me see the light. So, I deep down secretly know that God exists, but I refuse to acknowledge the truth because I just love my sin? You can't be serious. But, before I get to the next argument, 
Let me ask the hypothetical. Is this somewhat correct? Do we atheists just love our sin? Well, if you define sin as being free to make your own choices with regards to your own life and accepting both the rewards and the consequences of those choices, then yes, I am proud to say that I love sinning. I love living life, understanding the consequences and potential courses of action I can comprehend and see, not the threats and the promises that I can't. And now on to the next bad argument. Number three. You reject God because you don't want to be accountable for your actions. If I heard a dollar for every time I heard something like this when I came out as an atheist, I wouldn't consider starting a Patreon. Rejecting God because I don't want to be accountable is another downright bad argument against atheism, and in particular, rational scepticism. The biggest problem with this statement is that it doesn't take into account the clear fact that I'm already accountable for my actions in numerous ways and to numerous authorities. The local government, the police, the judiciary, the state government, the federal government, the numerous bilateral treaties my government has signed, and even the United Nations, all have a say in what I can and can't do and have enforcement power. But the most important thing is that I already am accountable for my actions to the people who matter the most in my life, my family and friends. If I got arrested, was sued, did something stupid to end up in hospital or whatever, that all takes me away from the important roles I have of earning an income to provide financially for my family and providing an emotionally nurturing environment for them. I also wouldn't be able to be there for my close friends who have been there for me. But let me put it to you like this. If I really didn't want to be accountable for my actions, I'd move to a country where oil money rules, to a country whose corruption index ranks well below Australia, and to a place that doesn't have an extradition treaty with any other country whatsoever, Brunei. What this argument also ignores is that Christians themselves believe in a theology where they're not accountable for their actions. The whole point of Christianity is that someone else has taken the punishment for their sins and they feel no consequences, except maybe a temporary, and I have to highlight the word temporary here, feeling of guilt and or fear, usually of hell. But all you need to do is say a prayer, be convinced that the prayer works, and forgiveness is fait accompli. You pray the accountability away. So, I reject the claims of the Bible because I don't want to be accountable for my actions? Well, neither do you, and you can't be serious. And number four. 
You can't be good without God. This one deserves its spot on the list of bad Christian arguments for a reason. To me, there are two ways the you can't be good without God argument can go. The first is that God himself is both the standard and the personification of goodness. So, if you aren't a Christian, you wouldn't even know where to begin to be good, let alone actually be good. Or second, Christianity has profoundly influenced Western society. So, by virtue of the fact that I live in a Western society, then as long as I'm not raping or killing or stealing or owning slaves, then I am some sort of pseudo-Christian. Like a Christian, but I don't know it. I'll tackle the second one first. In my book, The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, I make the point that while Judeo-Christian values have influenced some aspects of Western society, particularly culture, Western society was actually shaped much more by things like having a police force, having an actual government, trial by jury of peers with rules of evidence and procedure, the eight hours movement, the Magna Carta, having infection control procedures in hospitals, and even by technological advances that have improved communications and travel. It wasn't like priests and monks kept themselves busy by drawing up blueprints and proof of concepts for hospitals and courts and police stations and electricity generators. Priests and monks kept themselves busy in other ways. So now, on to the first argument. God is good. And if you're not a Christian, you can't be good. Firstly, is God good? Well, the fundamentalist whitewash of God isn't allowed to be presented or even thought of as anything other than good. That is simply a non-negotiable in fundamentalist world. To the point that fundamentalists and biblical literalists will propose ad hoc redefinitions of good and evil and of murder and even of logic to avoid an inevitable conclusion. Now, certain theists I know who will listen to this, I know they will disagree with me. I realise that. But they also can't avoid the fact that they're applying a double standard to their god that they wouldn't apply to other people or to other gods. And to show you what I mean by whitewash, Let's say I told someone about a plan I had to kill the entire world by unleashing a catastrophic disaster. I would, and should, expect to have the blue taxi at my door quick smart. But when God does the same, that's considered the height of wisdom and love and gets taught to children at Sunday school. Also, Let us consider the fact that God himself admits in Isaiah 45, King James Version, that he makes peace and creates evil. And in Job, God seemingly has no problem being incited by Satan to have Job's family killed, 
his property expropriated, and to have him inflicted with diseases for the purposes of testing, which, coincidentally, was what happened to the Jews in Nazi Germany. They had family members killed, their property was expropriated, and they had diseases inflicted on them for the purposes of testing. Now, on to the next part. Can you be good without God? Three points to consider. First, if you define good simply by what God you pray to, rather than how you treat your fellow person, then you have no basis for saying that all of the pastors and preachers caught in sex scandals or embezzlement stings have done anything wrong. A priest who abuses children prays to the same God that C.S. Lewis and Mother Teresa did. Second, if simply believing in God is your definition of good, then that means I could give my money, my time, and my energy into things like helping the homeless, facilitating medical research, building domestic violence shelters, or whatever. But because I am without God, then by definition, I would never be anything other than evil. Whereas a common or garden Christian, whose definition of charity extends to saying, I'll pray for you, child, and giving 10% of their income to a person in a suit on the authority of their title, is automatically conferred the holiness of the creator of the universe? This should not be. The whole point of morality should be about principles that improve our well-being and reduce unnecessary suffering. Otherwise, by claiming theology as our standard, we just give ourselves an excuse to excuse people who abuse people, and more importantly, we have no motivation and no way of knowing how to improve. But the third point I want to make on this is that this argument of you can't be good without God is in effect saying that I don't, that I can't, or that I haven't thought at all about my personal morality. That I haven't ever wrestled with decisions and dilemmas. That I haven't had personal tragedy which has shaped my outlook on life. That I haven't had to weigh my actions against consequences that I've never had to apologize for mistakes I've made. This whole argument just makes out that I simply sit there like a moral jellyfish, just floating along with the cultural tide. No, I personally think very deeply about what constitutes my morality and how I should and do treat other people. And while there are some aspects of theistic morality that share analogues with secular morality, I personally and more than capable of making my own mind up. This is why I choose not to hurt people, and this is why I choose to be friendly, because I want to spread positivity and kindness, not to be a douche. I'm going to leave you with a famous quote by atheist activist Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller that sums up the crux of living by secular principles. And until next time, good night, goodbye, be friendly. Um, 
But they will stand up and they will ask, if there is no God, what stops you from raping and killing everyone you want to rape and kill? What stops you from doing that? And my answer is always, you're absolutely right. I have raped and killed every single person I want to rape and kill. And that number is zero, you evil mother It's zero! It's a goose And if your number is a positive integer, sign up for prison! Get the fuck out of our society! Because morality is more important than God! And we know that because you stupid motherfuckers say the sentence, God is good. And if morality is not more important than God, you don't get to say that. It doesn't mean anything. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post, as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast, at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.